Why this fool got more comics than a motherfucker? Hello, and welcome to MCMF, more comics than a motherfucker. My name is Marcus, uh, and I have a lot of comic books. Uh, I talk a lot about comic books. I frankly never shut the fuck up about comic books. It's ruining all of my personal relationships. So I decided, let's just double down uh, and make all my friends read comic books. Joining me on this first episode of Our Maiden Voyage is someone who I it just don't me this week as I've known for ten fucking years, uh, my friend Jake. Jake, how are you? Hey, doing? no, I'm doing great, man. Um, like I was saying before we got started, yeah, ten years mutuals, <laughs> online buddies, pals, friends, and this is the very first time I have ever seen you in motion, which is <laughs> kind of it's kind of fun. Grim. It's a little grim to me in a way. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I can see how that would happen. Um, let me flip that. Oh shit, that works way better. Um, we for this first episode, we read the Judas Contract uh, by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Uh, it is the story proper is Teen New Teen Titans slash Tales of the Teen Titans forty two through forty four and um, and the annual I annual believe, three, right? yeah. Uh, but the story, as it is in the trade, actually starts in New Teen Titans 39. Uh, also, this book switches names halfway through this stretch of issues. It's very weird. It starts out as New Teen Titans and then becomes Tales of the New Teen or Tales of the Teen Titans in issue 41. That's some real comic book shit. Yeah, right that's peak comic book shit, and I have no clue why it does that. Like, my only guess is that the New Mutants was coming out around the same time, and they were like, they figured they'd, uh, there'd be too much like crossover there, like too much, like people might get confused because they br- they're both the new blank. Um, well, I mean, confused, but also like as we were discussing before we started recording. This is basically an X-Men story. This is this book right? is X-Men is shit and it's crazy. Um because I mean it helps that I think or helps that idea uh, in the sense that they're both team books that came out around the same time uh focusing on a young cast. Because the Avengers and the Justice League don't have much in common, but I think that because of the nature of uh the Teen Titans and the nature of the X-Men since they're both so centered around people in their early to mid tw- uh, late teens early 20s there's a lot of comparison that can be made between the two um mm-hmm. and we were actually talking about it because the first thing we're going to talk about here is the forward to the trade of uh the new teen titans uh the judas contract uh written by marv wolfman and wolfman talks about like, i'm not gonna read it word for word uh but uh when the New Teen Titans was first published back in 1980, many fans thought we were simply ripping off the idea from the X-Men. Uh, and Wolfman points out that he wrote the original run of the Teen Titans in 1969 um, and then just loved them and then got to come back and write them again in 1980. Uh, so as a result, uh, like there's a lot of similarity there because the X-Men similarly 
went away in 1970, came back in 1975, and focused again on the young cast. Uh, but the, uh, according to Wolfman, Chris Claremont once said at a comic convention that the only similarity is that they were both working on former cult titles and had made them more popular than before. Uh, so, Marv Wolfman, <laughs> genius that he is, decided, alright, I'm gonna lean into it. And thus, kind of in response to uh, the existence of Kitty Pride as this plucky teen girl character hanging out with the X-Men, the newest member of the X-Men, he would create his own character who was a young uh, teenage girl uh, who would join the Teen Titans, but instead she would be a villain uh, who would betray them. Uh, thus, Tara Markov, a.k.a. Tara, uh, the essentially the main character of the Judas Contract. Like This story is about two people above all else, and that is her and Slade. They are the principal characters of this story. Yeah, and and let me point out one thing before we get started. Tara, uh, interesting character. Uh, they they did the best they could trying to get as much of her personality in this arc as possible. And you know, I get it that I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't read as much of this run with Wolfman. I've read a lot of it because I think Wolfman is a fantastic writer, mm-hmm. and Perez is a fantastic artist. So. Great stuff to go back to, but I hadn't read as much with Tara. Um, And we'll get into more of this in a second, but the critiques I may have, uh, I still think they did a pretty good job of cramming in as much of her backstory and personality as possible to make this work. One critique I have, is there a reason why her dialogue was the way it was? Because she sounded like some sort of bizarre street urchin from like I don't know New York or something a lot of mebbies like M-E-B-B-E's okay so everybody talks there. like that everybody That's in this true. book whenever they say maybe they say mebby it's very weird it is it, I, I think it, that's it just a Wolfman thing it, okay but I think it's more noticeable with Tara because she says it a lot but uh there are some panels where uh where Cyborg says it and um and I think uh, I think Changeling says it a few times also well, I'm Slade definitely Slade might say it too I'm definitely going to kind of interchangeably call uh, call Gar Beast Boy and Changeling. The name didn't stick. Sorry, Marv. No. <laughs> it did not no. stick. I was born in the 90s, which means that that's Beast Boy. Sorry. Right, yeah. My first exposure to him is Teen Titans 2003. That's Beast Boy. That's Beast Boy. By the way, I think that's on HBO. So um, like, um, you think I'm not going to go back and watch that whole thing? I've This made me like think, like maybe I should go back and watch this show because they, they – Essentially, the season two arc mm-hmm. is this is yep. is about Tara uh, and about this story, and that's that colored a lot of my opinion of like the thing I kept coming back to, um, and we'll get into more detail about this. But the thing I kept coming back to was the fact that Tara is so much more of a sympathetic character in the show. And that was a deliberate choice that they made when they adapted that. Mm-hmm. But here she is. She's <laughs> she is very much not that. Let's say no. 
No. And, and you know, I, this is not a podcast if we don't continually say, we'll get more into that in a minute. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> yeah, the podcast. Yeah. But it does, it does, I think it's relevant to go ahead and start with the idea that I feel like they wrote Tara, Tara, whatever. It's, okay, I, I do want to say really quick, it's really dumb to me that her name and her code name. Thank you. <laughs> it's Thank the you. same thing with different pronunciations. That's. Yes. Her, her, I'm pretty sure her name is, her first name is supposed to be pronounced Tara and sure. her code name is Tara. Which fine, all right, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but you know, it, it it is interesting that they basically wrote her the way that like uh, Doctor Loomis in Halloween talks about Michael Myers, mm-hmm. where it's like this is not a human, this is just raw evil personified. <laughs> I mean, and, that's like, basically what Raven says to her, <laughs> right? And and like, I don't know if I like that or not because I feel like, and and I guess this is a decent segue into the the beginning, like the the forward or something, mm-hmm. the prologue, I guess. Um, which is that, you know, she is somebody who I feel like they could have made an even more sympathetic character out of, like more of a tragic figure than I think she ended up being. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the forward, and I don't, I hope I'm not jumping the gun here, um, but in the forward, it, it is pretty well established that she's kind of being groomed by Slade, right? You're supposed to get the implication of that, but then Slade says some things later that's like, wait, no, wait, she was she always like this? Mm. Um, because, so like, it, we, we might as well jump, all, just jump right in, because um, in one of the earlier pages, you do see her and Slade, and you never explicitly see that there's anything going on with her and Slade, but she does later refer to Slade as her lover and they're always calling each other honey and shit like that. So it's like, no, Slade is definitely having sex with this teenage girl. Right. And that's what I thought. I feel like they, they, they kind of wasted an opportunity later on in the arc. Um, because in the beginning, it, it seems clear to me, one, I thought it was pretty heavily implied that they were lovers. Um, oh, it's, it's implied like implied. crazy. They just never say, there's never a panel of her laying in bed next to Slade, you know? Right. And, and so, like, there's that. And, and I was thinking, well, this could be sort of the indication that not only is he grooming her to be a villain, he's also grooming her sexually. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, that's what I took from it. And I wish that they had kind of stuck with that, you know? Yeah. Um, but it feels like they kind of took the easy way out and just turned her into this, like, sort of natural-born killer. Mm-hmm. Um but no, She's I just I, a new I jack. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god. Oh no. She throws Beast Boy off a scaffold. She's out here doing hardcore matches with some <laughs> rando off the street. Yeah, god. absolutely. To make Slade Mustafa. <laughs> yes, yes. She's she's straight up taking thumbtack bumps in here. That's that's go ahead and spoiler warning right there. <laughs> oh, she's taking liberties. Jesus. Okay. Well, so you know, I, I guess to get back to the prologue, I mean, first of all, the very first note that I took was, and I quote, "Starfire is bad as hell." Oh man. Okay. 
Am I the only? Okay, there's, Let, there's no listen. way I'm the only one here. Oh, oh, oh! You don't have to tell me. <laughs> okay, because I'm sitting here looking at this. I'm like, are we one thousand percent sure this is a teen comic? Because Starfire, bro, <laughs> Starfire's bro. world is six foot four, walking around wearing Check. basically nothing. Check. Uh, she could I, kill me. Yes. Check. Uh, okay, so in one of the first issues, I, I want to get into this because it does actually play into the story. Because the story of the Judas Contract is that Slade Wilson, the Deathstroke the Terminator, uh, inherited a contract from his son, Grant Wilson, a.k.a. the Ravager. In that issue, the issue where that occurs is issue number two. And one of the first things that happens is Starfire from off screen, off, like off panel just blasts Grant in the chest with a starbolt. Because he she does not like the way that he is talking to his girlfriend. <laughs> he hasn't even that's, done anything yet. He's not even a villain yet. Starfire just doesn't like him. That's that is foreplay, though. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh so uh Grant gets the powers from the hive who are basically this is a long game they're playing to uh to get Slade to work for them for free. Mm-hmm. Uh so it's all right we get Grant we convince him to go through our experiments and let us give him powers that will kill him. Uh and then Slade will out of guilt pick up his son's contract and we get basically we get free labor out of Deathstroke the Terminator. <laughs> They're doing wage theft. Yes! The <laughs> yes. He needs a union rep. Where is the Legion of Doom's union rep? They're, just, they're, they're sitting around in their room just plotting mass destruction and all of a sudden kind of like a dumpy guy with a goatee wanders in like, alright, we're going to have to negotiate this in the next contract, fellas. Gorilla Grodd is collecting everybody's dues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so it works. They get Slade to pick up the contract, and that is the thing that sets in motion. This whole thing, this is issues 39 through 44 in the annual. This story is set in motion in issue two. Damn. Uh, and, and this, well, this tracks. Like, I don't mean to get, get us off track. Again, no, you're good. But, I mean, you know, this does track because, like, the thing that I picked up immediately, again, I've read a lot of Wolfman stuff. It's been years. I'm sure I have quite a bit of it in storage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always loved the 80s Titan. That was just such a golden it's, age it's, for that kind of book. It's the reason that's the team they always go back to. Whenever they want to do the Titans, they always bring back late-era Robin, Kid Flash, mm-hmm. uh, Raven, Starfire, Beast Boy. And even if they don't do Kid Flash, it'll be Cyborg, uh, basically everybody but uh, Wally and Donna they bring in. Yeah, yeah, and and that's what what instantly stuck out to me is that the the team dynamic is just clicking from yeah. the go. I mean, it is it is clear that not only have they set this in motion, but it was a wonderful point to just jump in on, and that's yeah. impressive. You know, it's sort of like in pro wrestling where like a good story arc is one that pays off for people who have been paying attention, but isn't but hard also, for somebody new to get into. Exactly. I think of like when Kofi won at WrestleMania. It's it's the was, easiest story to explain. 
it's so easy to explain. Or when Daniel Bryan won uh, right. in the three-way match, you know, like all of these things are things that if you have been watching for a long time, you're rewarded. But also, if you just jump in, it instantly clicks. And I feel like they nailed that with this with this arc. You know? Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, somebody like me, I could go back from years and be like, oh yeah, this this totally works. These guys are totally a fantastic team, and everything is starting to make sense without feeling like they're pandering. Right, without feeling like they are, like, spoon-feeding it to you. Which I think a lot of, I don't want to say modern comics, but a lot of newer stuff kind of runs into the problem of, is like, all right, we're going to have to have a box explaining this, and we're going to have to have, go back and read this for this. You can just start, you can pick this trade up and just go, because it establishes everything that needs to be established. Precisely. Uh, These are the Titans. Terra is working for Slade. Uh, Slade is working for the Hive. Brother Blood is a problem. <laughs> Brother Blood, man. Um, <laughs> well, we'll get to him in just a second, but I will say the one thing that stuck out to me that sort of broke it for me a little bit was the, uh, I think it was Slade, where they were saying basically along the lines of like, ah, yes, let me use power A that I totally have and have had for (laughs) however many years, and then I will supplement it with power B, and let me explain in thorough detail what power B is, and it's like, okay, all right, I know what you're doing here. (laughs) Okay, I I, I understood the point. I'm following. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so let's start with New Teen Titans number 39. Uh, So this opens up in Alaska. Uh, they're at like a military base that has been actually infiltrated by Brother Blood's goons. I don't think they ever give a name to to like Brother Blood's like disciples or whatever. They're just a bunch of dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Titans, uh, the Titans beat down. You know, they're beating everybody down, and they end up getting trapped in a power grid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they escape by. It's like Cyborg and Starfire channel energy through Beast Boy, who is an electric eel. Yes. <laughs> and then very the, cool. Yeah, it's cool. Like it's a and it's established that this is something they've done before, but it just sucks to do and they hate doing it. Because mm-hmm. it really wears uh really wears Vic and Corey out. Um also I love that her name is Coriander, and then there were when she needed to like humanize it. They just took, they just split it in half, and her name became Corey Anders. Oh Lord, I didn't know about the Anders part, but that's just peak. That's peak oh, comic book. it's nineteen eighty four. It's like you're damn right. It's nineteen eighty four. And speaking of, is this not the most nineteen eighty four like foreign policy comic book? I was shocked at how much like, foreign policy. There's so much shit involving senators in this story. So much and they're talking about like buying stuff from libya or something yeah there's like, like a thing where it's like we can't send the military might of the united states to zandia it's like, what the fuck <laughs> what are we talking cold. about you mean we didn't do that during the cold war come on now <laughs> marv we were paying attention man we we know what happens <laughs> uh but they they break out they beat uh they beat up brother blood's goons and then we get a couple really good pages of Tara narrating to Slade, and this is all done through her point of view, like visually. Like, it is shot, like, it is drawn as though you are looking through Tara's eyes because mm-hmm. 
Slade is actually looking through Tara's eyes. Because uh, he's got a, he's got, he gave her this camera contact lens. Um, which, by the way, Deathstroke fucking loves putting shit in people's eyes. He thinks it's great. Cause he, There's something going on there, because, you know, he has one eye. So, yeah, uh, yeah, but like he also, I don't know if you, if you remember or if you read this run, um, during, it's like during the Nightwing solo series, it's the origin of how Rose, uh, Ravager number two, uh, Slade's daughter, gets her, uh, how she loses her eye. Uh, like, she, Slade's like pumping her full of drugs, it's, it's a mess. Uh, and then she has a break like a psychotic break and carves her own eye out with like a batarang. Sick. It's fucking disgusting. It rules. Um, and so then <laughs> like, she's like, I want to be like you dad. And like, like jabs her eye out. It's crazy. Uh, and then slave gives her a kryptonite eye. <laughs> All right. So, so people listening cannot see me, but I was just like, come on. Uh, sl- Slade gives her a kryptonite eye, and Dick looks at her. Because at the time, I think Dick is working for Slade undercover or something. Uh, and he looks at her, and he goes, you know it's going to give you cancer, right? You know that's just, like... Not ideal. Super radioactive, right? She's like, not what? Ideal. My dad would never do that. He'd never do anything to hurt me. And it's like, well, oh, you're your not... dad who talks about himself as Deathstroke. <laughs> the Terminator. Your dad, Deathstroke the Terminator, would not do... Okay. And then he, like, holds a Geiger counter over her eye. <laughs> and it's just... He's like... <laughs> it's like, are you... Are you still doubting me? Because, <laughs> like, I've n- I've been fighting your dad since I was 15 years old. He would absolutely do this. I know your dad better than you do. Your dad is an asshole, Rose. <laughs> Good lord. Oh, yeah. man. Take take us back. Please, get okay, us on yeah. track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Us all night. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> Tara is narrating to Slade, and she's like, man, I fucking hate the Teen Titans so fucking much. She's like, I fucking hate all of them so much, especially Garfield Logan. God, God, I fucking hate him. He's so gross. <laughs> I think he's charming. I think he's great. I think he's he is a menace in this story. He is just, he's doing bits every chance he can get. He's a Pepe Le Pew ass. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, there's a bit later we'll, we'll, we'll get to it later but she's like I'd rather kiss a cobra than you he's like you know I can do that right That that's no. all it's like I'd be a king cobra anytime baby it kicked off the hentai trend way too early <laughs> uh, um, so some, st- some senators get exposed as working for brother blood this is uh, later revealed to be a trick these guys have nothing to do with Brother Blood. And I think in the moment, uh, either uh, Nightwing or Wonder Girl goes, there's like a like an orgy of evidence here. Are we sure that... <laughs> oh, he's right. still Robin at the time. He's not Nightwing yet. But um, either Dick or Tana goes like, uh, don't you guys think it's weird that there's all this evidence here? Yeah. No, and I, I mean, it's not like senators ever get duped or yeah. anything. <laughs> no, they, they so ever that... get tricked, bamboozled, led astray. Clearly just some comic book stuff there. Yeah. Uh, and so then we get... My note here is, what the fuck is she wearing? That is a robe and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Tara... We, we cut to seeing Tara inside... Uh, inside 
Deathstroke's hideout. She is, I've got the panel pulled up. She is wearing a pink, uh, like a silk bathrobe, no less than eight bracelets, uh, mm. a gold necklace and matching earrings, and she is smoking a cigarette. Also, She's about to sign the cash money. <laughs> she looks like, this looks like you could just reshoot this whole thing with, uh, with Lil' Kim and no one would notice. No one would catch the reference. So I, I'm sorry. I was vaping when you said that, and I had to hold the laughter because I was going to choke to death. <laughs> so, like this, this is the most. This is simultaneously 1984 and 1998. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also sitting on what appears to be like a fucking like the biggest beanbag chair. I mean, that sounds luxurious. Uh, she is living her best life. She is also constantly smoking in these issues. Well, look, that's the thing, all right? Like, As was the if style you wanna the establish, If you want to establish that somebody's a villain... They smoke. They smoke, clearly, <laughs> which is not real life. Yeah. We all know that smoking is really, really cool. <laughs> Smoking's like one of the coolest things you can do. Clearly. I'm going to put a Surgeon General's warning over this. <laughs> uh, she's like, yeah. Um, Slade's like, do you think the congressman are working for blood? And she's like, uh... Fucking unlikely. Why would he only guard it with like six guys? That would be really stupid. He definitely wanted mm. them to find that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one other note I have from this this prologue here, um, not quite related, but worth noting. That Robin costume is, and I quote, alarmingly small. <laughs> so they established later he has been wearing the same costume for like ten years. <laughs> It, that shit is musty, bro. <laughs> that dry cleaning pill is stupid high. Mm-mm. He is, Poor he, Alfred. Dick says uh, when he, he Dick says later that he has worn this costume since he became Robin. He is like eighteen here. Mm. He became Robin when he was like nine. Mm. That's those are puberty pants, man. <laughs> I mean that. El- shout out to the elastic in that for holding oh, that long, because he's way taller now. Oh my lord! That's a grown man. Um, you hate to hear it. <laughs> my next note is Slade should be under the jail. Correct. Correct. He is. He is again definitely having sex with this teenager, which it is 1984. Uh-huh. Oh, did that make a difference? No, well, remember at the time. Uh, they were also doing the thing in X-Men stuff with Colossus and Kitty. Like, at the time, I don't think that writers were as tapped into, hmm, is this f- fucking weird? Is this kind of <laughs> fucked up? Is this kind of fucked maybe? up that this is like I'm an adult sure. and a child? <laughs> like, because mm. <laughs> like, I think a few issues before this, like maybe issue 34, uh, it might be 34 or 38. Uh, establishes that Tara is 16. Right. Like, well, no, she gets into that later. Yeah, but like the, that issue is, whichever issue I'm thinking of, it is on page her birthday. Like they make her a cake and sing her happy birthday. And, and it conspicuously so, says 16. It's, they're like, she's like, wow, you're 16 now, Tara. And Tara is... Tara is... <laughs> hey, audience, she is 16 years old. This Please is take child. note. <laughs> but yeah yeah this no, is a high school junior correct 
Um, so, so to continue on to here, um, so when do we get to Bl- Brother Blood again? Because I read this in one long run okay. through the train. Um, so let's see. There's a few pages of Tara beating up Slate. Like Tara and Slate are training, and she just whoops his ass. He's like, "Fuck, this girl could kill me." Uh, without trying, like Slade is here to do the job, right? In, in these pages, he is on his job. He's about <laughs> about it. We know. Well, I, I mean, he's a, he's a, the job squad. He's Al Snow here. <laughs> Just getting his ass whooped. Pin me, pay me, Slade. Deathstroke Wilson. Hey man, you got to do the job, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I said, all right, Tara, so uh, get, let's like, get some offensive. She said, that doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> no, brother. Um, so then Wally is on his way. on the. They have a barge to get them back and forth to the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Wally is on. Like, she spots Wally on it and is like, hey, who the fuck are you? Because she's never seen him outside of his costume. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, yeah, it's Kid Flash. Don't fucking sweat it. Shut up. Uh, but also, I'm quitting because Wally's losing his powers around this time. I don't think it's ever explained why, or and I don't know how he gets them back. Uh, but he is losing his powers are aren't working. He's not as fast as he used to be. He's been having some trouble with school, and so he's like, "All right, I'm just gonna I'm gonna retire for a while. Uh, and focus on school and hanging out with this chick, Fran. Fran Francis Kane. Which, by the oh way. There are two. There are two completely separate people with the last name Kane in this story, and it's. I don't know how that happened, and I. Uh, in my head, I would like to pretend these people are tangentially related to uh, to Kate Kane uh, and are thus Bruce's distant cousins, because I think that would be funny. I frankly think it'd be very funny for, <laughs> for Deathstroke to have been married to Batman's cousin. <laughs> Very fair, but I'm going to beg you not to make me go down headcanon uh, rabbit holes. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so, uh, like, Wally is leaving, and Tara, they really try and sell the idea that Tara might be having a change of heart. Because Tara actually looks like she's having like, second thoughts about it. She's looking like, like, she actually looks upset to see Wally go. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is she just a really good actor, or is she, like, actually consider Wally her friend? Another thing I wish they would have stuck with, yeah. honestly. Because she um, says to him, like, you're one of the only people in this house I like. Mm-hmm. And I think she meant that. Like, I have no reason to doubt that she meant that particular thing, because, like, they don't go after Wally later, and they totally could. Yeah, and that's that's... Again, something that I wish they would have followed up with, and I'm kind of glad that they made her a little more sympathetic later on mm-hmm. in media appearances. Um, but they don't. Yeah. For better uh, or worse. For better or worse. Also, I didn't realize this was in this issue that Dick... I thought this happened in 40. Uh, Dick quits being Robin here. And yes, this costume is holding on for dear life. Oh yeah, banana hammock all the way. <laughs> just full hog. Just... Just the meat is out. It's <laughs> just Finn Balor. Well, I mean, look, man. <laughs> Here's the thing. Different if era. You, if you were sleeping with... Oh, Starfire, if I was sleeping with Starfire, I, I'm just letting it all hang out. Yeah, you're lucky I'm wearing the banana hammock, bro. <laughs> I mean, I'm just... Do you... Just, just pointing like, hey, have, you see this? You know where this has been? 
All right. Well, he should be posted up like Shawn Michaels in, you know, the picture where he's correct. Where he's got the belt the draped across his junk. That should be. I just be recently t- saw uh, Jordan Grace recreate that picture. Oh, she so did. Yes, yeah. I'm quite aware. Uh, no, no, no just aware. There's yeah, no just other, aware of it. You know, nothing else to it. Also, <clears throat> Starfire is super upset here too. She's like, are you like in tears? Like, are you quitting? Are you leaving me? Because that's been her arc for like the last like ten issues. Is her like constantly going, "What's wrong with Dick? Is he angry at me? Did I do something? Is he gonna fucking leave me?" And everyone who has ever met Dick is like, "No, he just he does this sometimes. Right. He's just he's Bruce's son. He's really dramatic. It's we all know you got the yank, Starfire. It's okay. <laughs> that boy's not going nowhere. No." Roy Harper, though, to his credit, Speedy's like, however, if he, however, if he is leaving, here's my number. And Dick's like, would you fuck off, please? Would you like, what We're is your problem? Options. Look, just look, options. <laughs> which makes uh, the new 52 t- uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws fucked because mm-hmm. Roy is right away like, hey, so do you remember a guy named Dick? No? Okay, cool. You want to fuck over there? <laughs> Uh, uh, there's going to there's going to be a episode in the very near future uh, where I'm going to make Will read Red Hood and the Outlaws. Beautiful. <laughs> um. Uh, so it's like, no, I'm not leaving. I'm just quitting being Robin. Uh, I'm not going to be the leader for a while. Uh, Donna, you're in charge. Uh, also, as Dick is taking off his costume symbolically, Tara starts taking liberties. <laughs> And she's like, she's like whistling like a Tex Avery wolf. Well, I mean, to be fair, uh, Drew, you know, <laughs> it is again, him. It's him. We know where it's been. <laughs> she's like, woo, take it off. He's like, relax, Tara. <laughs> His exact line is, I'm trying to have a moment. I'm, I'm being. <laughs> I need you to stop. He's like, I, I'm ha- only stripping away my identity, not my clothes. This isn't cable TV. Um, well, damn. And so he quits being Robin and makes Dick the uh, makes Donna the leader. Uh, he he gives Tara like a kiss on the cheek, and he's like, "There've been a lot of Teen Titans before you, but you're the latest. You got a proud tradition to uphold, and something tells me you're gonna do just fine." Like this is where like the tradition of Big Brother, everybody's Big Brother, Dick Grayson starts, because. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is. He really tries to go out of his way to like include Tara in everything. Yeah, uh, and which is which is great. I like that they set this up for the future Fallout, in that everybody's trying really hard, and they they do a good job of making that apparent. Yeah. Uh, this issue is paced really well. Um. Like th- that's that's kind of like the the ending before the epilogue here, where uh, Dick says goodbye to Wally, and Wally leaves with Francis Kane. Uh, Francis Kane, no relation. Uh, and we get this really good panel. I just want to highlight it on the last page of issue thirty nine. The last panel is Dick standing uh, on the street. Saying to Corey, uh, he's I'm I'm gonna miss him, and Corey is leaned down on him with uh like with her arms around him, and her hair here is gigantic. Yeah, I was gonna say the hair could be a character of its own. <laughs> her hair is like a full head above his. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, chapter two, issue uh, New Teen Titans number 40, opens with Brother Blood. Uh, my notes here are, this dude is so fucking metal, how did the TV show make him suck so much? <laughs> so, alright, so I'm glad you mentioned that, because I actually thought that a lot of what's going on with Brother Blood is actually pretty creepy. Yeah. And if they had actually done, like, obviously, this is a comic book, it's a DC comic book, but I could imagine a scenario where if you got a hold of, like, the grittier, like, 90s DC style... Oh, yeah. They could have done some really cool... Like, imagine Brother Blood in a Hellblazer comic. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fuck. Like, that would have been fantastic. All I'm picturing is, like, imagine Jim Lee drawing Brother Blood. Yeah. See, I'd be so down for that. Uh, no Bring him to, back. No disrespect to Perez, because this shit is awesome. But Oh, it's uh, great. But, you know, DC executives, I know you're listening right now. I know that you are <laughs> taking notes with rapt attention. Bring back Blo- Brother Blood. Bring, Make yeah. him creepier. Please. <laughs> Make put him, him in Justice League Dark. Yeah, fuck. Uh, he is bathing here in, boil- in the boiled blood of his enemies. This dude is so sick! So, alright, so I am currently wearing a t-shirt from a band called Brand of Sacrifice. Shout out to them, they rock. Um, but I just went to a Dying Fetus concert. <laughs> that's a name I haven't heard since, like, 2010. Well, that's a shame, because they rule. Anyway... Yeah. I had um, a friend who was really into them in high school. Yeah, you got another one. Hi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my point is... Uh, that's the most metal shit I've heard in a while, and I was just in a mosh pit where I almost broke my nose against another person's spine. Oh, so, that's pretty sweet, is what I, I'm getting at here. There's a full page with no dialogue of him coming out of the boiling blood while everyone chants, Rise! 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 It's so sick! So cool. But then, then... Not long after that, and I know we're, we're t- kind of taking a methodical pace here, but let me hit some highlights, all right? So, shortly after that, he's on, like, television, like, on a news <laughs> yeah. panel show. Like, oh, I have notes about that. Like, Bill Buckley-style, like, debating. Like, like he's on head. first take. <laughs> yeah. It, oh, Jesus Christ. Bro- oh, Brother Blood Lord and Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> I was going to say, I just got a mental image of Brother Blood on a panel with Shannon Sharp, Skip Bayless, and Stephen A. Smith. I need oh that more God. than I've needed anything in my life. Oh, my God. Um, I, I need to detail quickly for those who oh. uh, are not familiar with Brother Blood or what he looks like in the comics. Because in the show, he's just like kind of an old man with like weird hands and this cloak all the time. Brother Whack. Blood is wearing a red bodysuit... Uh, He's got kick pads mm. over his boots. Like he's like working a Ring of Honor show in 2008. Yep. Um, he's wearing a codpiece. You uh, didn't have to tell me. That's a given. That's a given. <laughs> a white cape. And a he's got this helmet on that's it's red, matches the bodysuit. But then it's got like... A whole, it's like made out of a uh, triceratops skull. It's so... Yeah. <laughs> it's got spines. Oh, yeah. It's got horns. It's got shit sticking out of the front at the mouth. Like, it's like crazy. a predator. Yes, you know, like, yes. Like predator's face. Yeah. It's fucking crazy, and he's just—he's just standing before his congregation. He says, "Greetings, believers in the right. Welcome to the Church of Brother Blood. 
A church that began when one sinner saw the light. A church that shall never falter until un all unbelievers believe. We are close, my children. So close I can taste success. But success, as with faith, must be earned through belief. Now, my children, pray. Pray for me. Pray for the power of Brother Blood. It's so crazy. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm glad you mentioned that because here he is in this incredible costume with boiling blood around him, hitting a Bray Wyatt promo. <laughs> and then they, like, shortly after that, again, talking heads, he's on first take. Yeah. Or whatever. They're, they're, the show is called Snowstorm, I think. Uh, sure. Let's see. Why uh, not? Yeah, it's called Snowstorm with Bethany Snow on cable news. And he is debating the Titans. Like, Donna. <laughs> Donna okay. is speaking for everyone. I have feelings about this, okay? <laughs> oh, I've, I've, as, I've had shit in my notes here. <laughs> as you know, I am a very politically-minded individual, uh -huh. right? And so I'm very familiar with the, you know, oldest-time garbage stuff of having, like, major political important things or whatever being discussed on awful cable news panels. Yeah. And I have yet to see... Somebody who kind of looks like, uh, what is his name, the Boogeyman in the WWE, yes, WWE yes. but on one of these things, talking to guys who, again, look like Ring of Honor wrestlers in 2008, uh, debating foreign policy. Donna, Donna legit looks like a fucking disco queen. It's <laughs> yes. And, and so, like, okay, do you remember the Dave Chappelle bit where he was like, who asked Ja Rule about this? Who, is, who the fuck asked Ja Rule? Oh. But yeah, this major political. Oh no, I have to find out what Ja Rule thinks about this. Who? What do the Teen Titans think about this? Yes, it's what, the same concept. What do Wonder Girl and the Changeling have to say about this? Yes, like we're we're having like you know a sixteen-year-old dude with green skin comment on the Cold War. A dude who not a day before this was getting was. Getting another tutor to quit because he would not stop doing bits. Correct. Like, um, and so anyway, uh, shortly after that, right? Like, it doesn't go their way because Brother Blood has like this incredible, like charisma, Jedi, yeah, like it's, Jedi powers to influence people. It, it, yeah. So I have I have notes about this because uh, let's see. Uh, Brother Blood is using this for recruiting. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said, I wrote down, nobody questions a dude named Brother Blood? He looks like he just he stepped off an Iron Maiden album. He looks like he just came from a Raider game. And people are still buying it. They are signing up for this guy's church. What the fuck? And then on the next page, Donna is like, how, did, how are people falling for this? What the fuck? Yes. The character, like an audience insert right there. And a needed one. Okay, a necessary one. Um, but then shortly after this, we get to another wonderful fit, all right? So, if I'm not mistaken, the next major plot development is that Dick Grayson decides to go undercover <laughs> to yes. investigate Brother Blood's compound in Zandia, right? Yeah, yeah. Because apparently there's a dictator. What is it, President Marcos? President right? Marcos, yeah. Yes. And so, I, first of all, I love how ambiguous this is. Zandia can uh, be anywhere. I have no fucking clue where this country is. I hear Zandia, and I'm like, this was probably an African country con like colonized by the Dutch, and they named it Zandia or whatever. But then it's like a white guy with like a, a tweedly mustache, you know, named Marcos. 
Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you for keeping this like hilariously ambiguous. But my note on this, and this is why I bring this up, is, and I quote, Dick's disguise is insane. Okay? He, <laughs> he looks like, like Tony Rhodes. He does. He is like a bleach blonde, but it's like a perm almost. He looks like my uncle in like 1988. All right? And it's hilarious to look at. Oh my god. He's got this red suit on. This mm. mu- He's got a red suit. Uh, his hair is blonde, which is a wig because it comes off later. He's got this blonde wig, a fake mustache. He looks like Cody Rhodes. Like, take 2012, 2013 Cody Rhodes when he had the mustache, bleach all that shit blonde, and put him on present day Cody. That's what Dick looks like right here. I don't know why I haven't seen Cody Rhodes from that era, but... It, he he just grew this mustache. He was super... That's horrible. Horrible. <laughs> he... But, like... He just showed I'm up on TV about... I'm sitting here thinking about, um, you know, our friend Manny, who saw Brock Lesnar once and said, that man was wearing the most racist outfit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Talking about Lesnar when he showed up at the UFC. <laughs> not fighting in the UFC, because this was after he popped for steroids, to the surprise of literally not a <laughs> no, Zero people. No one, no one alive was surprised by Which, this. Which, digression... Just let him do steroids. steroids. Hey, listen, steroids, steroids and sports are cool. They're so cool. Anyway. Steroids saved baseball. <laughs> Correct. Correct. The best era of, of fist fighting was when they were in Japan and they told them to do steroids. <laughs> anyway. God bless um, the ring. God bless it. So, you know, I wanted to point out here, you mentioned Blood, Brother Blood, and like as we're going through the compound in Zandia and we're seeing all these things, and there's clearly conflict between the United States and, and Zandia... Um, and of course, Brother Blood plays into this, which by the way, the geopolitics thing is weird here, but I do kind of like the concept that they put up here, which is like Zandia is this sort of rogue nation with an authoritarian leader in President Marcos. God, I just, and, I just looked at the picture of President Marco. He looked, he's got a fucking John Waters mustache. Yeah, oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I saw John Waters. I wasn't sure if I was the only one, if that's intentional, but he looks like John Waters. Yeah. Okay. But um, go on. Sorry. But no, I just saw all this stuff, and, and I thought the geopolitics was really interesting, of this idea of, like, this sort of Cold War conflict. I mean, it's the 80s, you know. Um, but then I also have this charismatic cult leader within that country that we have conflict with, and it really is a Cold War story. Yeah. About how you kept having these instances where the United States would drum up a conflict with some place that it had no business being, and then we would find these people that we would support... Who were worse than the people we were against. Yes! Brother uh, Blood is definitely worse. So much worse. And that's why my notes, and let me let me just go ahead and, and read this verbatim. Uh, my man's name is Brother Blood, and he wears a cape and a skull mask. Why the hell aren't they drone striking this man? <laughs> and, that's, and that's sort of what I'm getting at here. Um, but also, again, I get the plot necessary, you know, it's necessary for the plot that, like, he's got this charismatic spell that he weaves over people as part of his magic, yada, yada, yada. Come on. Listen, I said he, earlier, he, I said earlier, he looks like he came from a Raiders game. The Raiders might need a new head coach. I don't know if they're going to stick with this interim guy. But you know there what? There it is. You know who can really fire up your team? Go get Brother Blood. And Brother Blood can't be more racist than John Gruden. Oh, it's, I feel like that's impossible. That Okay, hang on. We gotta pause. Hang on. Ready? Yeah. Alright. 
It's a podcast. You got to get the uh, you got to get the uh, the can click in there. Anyway, yes, Brother Blood, uh, a fantastic character though. I'm gonna be honest with you, like I really enjoyed the concept of having this sort of outlandish cultish leader with all these incredible looks, this incredible aesthetic. Um, it did sort of take me out of it though, because this felt like such a real. Uh, a real story. It, it's the kind of story that I love the most. The idea of like the Icarus complex, somebody rising way too close to the sun, mm-hmm. um, a sort of grooming being, you know, sort of suggested, whether it's sexually or professionally or, or anything like that. Um, and yet, I feel like it maybe took it a little too fantastical. I don't it's, know how you feel. So my my as I was reading this, like as I got more into the the stuff with Deathstroke later, I'm just thinking to myself like, what the fuck was the point of that brother blood stuff and i realized like oh it's all for the sake of context it's also you know how slade learned everything about the titans was through them fighting brother blood because tara is informing him and so that's the whole point of this but also it's like this feels really it feels like you could just ignore this part (laughs) which sucks because it's a really cool thing like yes. I kind of wish they were separate arcs, and we could have had a whole brother blood thing. And totally the thing is, it is uh, the brother blood stuff is kind of just build to the Judas contract because mm-hmm. both of these stories are happening kind of parallel. Mm-hmm. Like the slave slaves working for the hive, and Terra gets introduced, and they bring Terra in, and then they're dealing with brother blood, and then they do some other stuff, and then they're dealing with brother blood again. They fight the brotherhood of evil at one point. And this is actually this is a total side note. They fight the Brotherhood of Evil at some point during this run, and they're chasing after Raven. They find Raven mm-hmm. in a church, and Raven's like, "Fuck it, we'll fight right here." And uh, they, like they look at her, they're like, "In the church? What? Come on, we're not fucking animals. <laughs> we got more sense than that." Which I think rules. I think that's incredible. Is you just have the super villains go, wait, hold, whoa, hold on a minute. We're, not, we're gonna fight you in the sanctuary. Yeah, it, this is God's it, house. God's house. Okay, <laughs> but um, you know, I did, but yeah, I I think that I would have really enjoyed an arc separate from this one that had to do with Brother Blood because I feel like there was so much more that you could have mined out of that dynamic. Yeah, you know what I mean. I understand why it was here, but I, I still wish that we could have gotten more from Brother Blood on its own. That's all. yeah. Uh, that's a really good point. Um, also, Dick shows up with these congressmen who have all been outed as working for Brother Blood. They're like, we don't mm-hmm. fucking know who Brother Blood is. We saw him for we saw him for some on TV. You guys like fucking. We don't know how that happened. Somebody got fucking tricked. Uh, and so Dick and these congressmen, I don't know why he does this. This is a really dumb plan. He, Dick and the congressmen go to Zandia to investigate, like, to investigate Brother Blood. Why did he take the congressmen with him? So this is actually, so again, I think we're getting into some geopolitics here, right? Mm-hmm. And how, you know, we, we do these fact-finding missions. Because I remember that was sort of the compromise, that, like, you know, Brother Blood is doing all these things, sure, but we also need to investigate the relationship to the the government, which we don't like. Um, and so they would send these sort of toothless, uh, sort of easily duped uh, fact finders, right? Yeah. And you would go and get sort of an official tour of the area, um, which would ultimately be shifted into whatever the narrative 
they wanted to be. Uh, so I thought that was actually... I actually thought that was a little bit of a smart commentary. It's just I don't think they went far enough with it to yeah. make it a real commentary. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I wrote down, this senator looks like Carl Winslow. Oh, my God, does he? <laughs> oh, my God, he does. Uh, like, the main guy that's with Dick through this, he just, he just fucking Carl Winslow, which is crazy because mm-hmm. Family Matters wasn't on for another 10 years. <laughs> so I don't know how that happened. Very prescient. Well, clearly, whoever was writing Family Matters was like, you know what? <laughs> we need... <laughs> just they you had, know who that should be. They had New Teen Titans number 41 uh, just open, and they were like, hey, you know what would be cool? There it is. Um, in Zandia, they meet with Brother Blood's, uh, like his second-in-command, a woman by the name of Mother Mayhem. Not ha- ominous. How are these people tricking anyone? How is anyone falling for this? That's genius. I love it. I love how stupid everyone is. It's so dumb. These people are idiots. (laughs) I love it. They're just, it's just like the biggest collection of dipshits. (laughs) Just. Which, you know what? Fair. You know what? Real life has become beyond parody at this point. So I can't even say like, there's no way this would happen. It would absolutely fucking happen. Oh, dude, we're in the year 2021. Come on now. <laughs> Mike Pence is just shitty brother blood when you really think about it. Yeah, he's like the weirdest, lamest no, version wait, of No, he's wait, he's the senator from fucking God Loves Man Kills. That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. He is he is definitely a comic book character. But enough about that, because boy, about, could I talk about that. Enough about uh, Captain Oedipus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sigmund Freud would have loved that. Sigmund Freud would have loved that guy. Oh my lord! Uh, so he gets to the the Titans uh, pick up Dick's signal because his his disguise is immediately seen through. Like he shows Shockingly. up and they're like, "That's Robin." Shockingly, <laughs> they're like, "We've I like seen that this they dude's use space computer before. technology too. They use like some sort of space age technology yeah. to be like, aha, we have seen through your disguise.' It's like, it's, like, I don't know, man. You it's Dick Grayson like with the BGs. <laughs> like th- this is clearly Robin dressing up like one of the BGs. Like that's really not that it's hard. Robin to in the shittiest Halloween costume. Yes, because like his whole thing at this point is that he's not Nightwing yet, so he's trying to find ways to be." useful to the team while he can't go out into the field and uh they keep going so sideways mm-hmm. uh so the titans go to uh go to save dick uh and it's a trap they get gassed starfire is not affected by the gas like at first, she she kind of holds out, which I don't think is ever brought up again. I do not, I cannot ever remember reading something where it was like, by the way, Tamaranian physiology not affected by poison gas. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote down before they get attacked. I wrote down this quote from Corey. It says, "Blood's temple is huge. Dick could be anywhere." Okay, I screenshotted that panel. <laughs> I did, um... and I was gonna I was gonna send it to my wife because. <laughs> That's the relationship we have. Uh, true. <laughs> true. <laughs> That's for that is for true. Yeah. Well. Uh, good for y'all. Love is beautiful, frankly. Oh, it's it's a we, beautiful. Thing. We would all be so lucky. Uh, um, but yeah, no, I I will say, and and this this is like a bit of a bridge, uh, a segue, if you will, to some of the rest of this is that. 
you know, Raven doesn't really get used as much as I initially thought. I don't think they use her enough. Mm -hmm. But I think as we transition from this part of the story into the next, she's part, she becomes like, a lot more important. She does, and it, and it was actually I, now that I finished the arc again and I'm mm -hmm. able to reflect on it, I actually think they deployed her perfectly. I don't it, know how I mean, you feel. It's the thing with these ensemble books is that like when you have a team of eight people, well, seven and then the villain hiding with them, you have a team of seven people. You've got to find. You got to really pick your spots with everybody. Um, mm -hmm. And so, like, I think the real shining star of this whole run is Cyborg. I think this is the best he's really? ever written. I think he's so really? like, and it's because I think it's because I read a lot of the, the the books leading up to this. Cyborg gets a lot with Wolfman. Like Wolfman clearly really likes his character um, because uh, Cyborg gets so much in terms of like just a like personal stuff with people. I think mm. he gets uh, on like this really high level. Like one part of Cyborg's story. This is just a, a, a you know branch here. Cyborg has he works with this woman Sarah who uh, does some work with uh, with disabled kids, and he's really gotten close with her. He's really developed feelings for her. Then one day he shows up. Uh, it's like a Christmas party or something. Uh, he shows up at her house in like a fucking. I gotta, I gotta find this panel because I did screenshot it. Uh, he's bam bam bam. <laughs> He's like wearing a like a turtleneck under uh, like this blazer. Like he looks fucking great. <laughs> Where it was like very clearly like a deliberate choice they made for him. Uh, fuck, I can't find it. Um, but he's they they put he's gets to her house and he meets this dude like Matt or Mike or whatever the fuck the guy's name is. And the dude's talking, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, because me and Sarah are getting married. And she's not there, so Vic can't confirm it. So, and then he immediately has to go, because there's, like, an emergency. And this is when Raven's fighting the Brotherhood. And he's just like, fuck, I gotta, what, huh? And he's, <laughs> he gets there, and he's fighting, and everyone's like, are, like, after the fight, they're like, are you good? Because you... You don't seem all right. You don't seem like yourself. And he's like, shut the fuck up. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> they're all training at one point, And he... Oh, wait. You know, that might be in here, actually, when they're they're training. Because uh, he, uh, he starts lifting... He lifts like 15 mm -hmm. tons or some shit. Because he's just I think working. It was like four and a half, and then he wants to push it to five tons or something. Yeah. Like he's yeah. like... He's, just, he's working through some stuff, which... <laughs> Mm -hmm. He's stressed out. I gotta, hit the, I gotta hit the gym, brother. Gotta, get, gotta get the weights. See, and I'm glad you mentioned that because when I was reading this, I didn't focus too much on Cyborg, right? Because mm -hmm. honestly, he's not really a mover of the plot, right? Um, but I think that worked because he ended up coming across to me as I'm reading this as, uh, as the glue. Yes, really. You know, I mean, like, obviously Dick is the leader, Donna takes over as the leader, there's all sorts of drama there, and, and sort of personal tension, and of course, you know, you have Garfield is like this sort of comic relief character, but of course with some pathos, because of his relationship with Tara, etc, etc. But to me, the one bedrock of the group seemed to be Cyborg. He yeah, was he's really the, yeah, he's kind of the, he's the friend who's friends with everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and he's the one who 
who is necessary for actually getting shit done. Yes. You yeah. know, so the focus doesn't have to be the focus doesn't have to be on him. Right. He's the and, he's the Billy Cranston of, yeah. of this team. Where every problem in Power Rangers that isn't solved by punching is solved by Billy. Every yeah. problem that can't be solved by throwing something at something is solved by is solved by Cyborg. Yeah, and and I think that's really really impressive because you were right. This is an ensemble book. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people involved, but he is the one who is there through all of it. And I, I actually have to really credit um, the the team behind this book for not forcing it. You know what I mean? For yeah. not forcing that into you, like, hey guys. You know, ding, ding, ding! Look who's the glue of the team. It's just, like it's just it's something just you pick up on. It's something you notice. Yes, yes. Um, they 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 trust the audience enough, which is rare in a comic book. Mm-hmm. But they seem to trust the audience enough to pick up the dynamic there. Yeah. Um. So, Tales of Teen Titans number forty one. The this is the last issue of the Brother Blood stuff. Mm. Uh, Raven tries to use her soul self to stop Brother Blood. Uh, I wrote down he no sells it. LMA. <laughs> He really does, man. He is absolutely just just absolutely no selling this. He is diesel in WCW. <laughs> he booked himself He's, to go over here. He absolutely is going over here. He he's Triple H looking at the guy at the writer in the back going, Am I fucking going over? Yeah, this is this is when Hashimoto got his ass kicked for real in New Japan and just totally ruined everyone's plans. Uh, let's see. Tara uses her. Tara wakes up and uses her power t- to free everyone because they're like chained to like this giant rock. And so as soon as Tara's awake, she's like, "Oh shit, I got this. <laughs> Don't worry about it. This right. is my whole. This is my whole thing." Uh, they find a sarlacc. <laughs> like it's a yeah. gi- it's a giant spider, but someone does say, "Hey, isn't this that shit from Star Wars?" Yeah, they're fighting a rancor here. Yeah. Um, and then a giant like mutated scorpion out of Fallout. Yeah. Uh, so this is the thing where I noticed, like, Vic is constantly saving Terra. Like, whenever Terra is in trouble, the person who is right there to save her is always Cyborg. Mm. See, I didn't pick up on that in my first reading, so, like, I appreciate you pointing that out, because it kind of feeds back into our point here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, there, the there are, like, two or three times during this encounter, like, during this issue, where she is in trouble, and he's right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's, that, that's him, that's... His whole character is he is the guy who you can count on to get to the, get to somebody, right? Um, and then she's more. It's again. It's like it comes off like she's trying to let herself like these people. Like it comes off like she is like actually really grateful to him. Um, the senators get held hostage. Uh, Corey is like, I'll fucking kill you, brother blood, because brother blood is brainwashed, uh, dick. Um, and uh, they get captured again. They get captured no less than three times. So many times. <laughs> they so keep getting times. captured. It's crazy. Uh, it's a good way to put Brother Blood over, though. Yeah, uh, make it look strong. <laughs> uh, so uh, President Marco sends goons to blow up the temple. Um, and then Corey is. Like, so he's like, I'm gonna make night. I'm gonna make Robin kill you all, uh, while they're all like captured. He's like, I'm gonna make Robin do the thing that will drain all of you. Uh, and Corey is like crying out to him, and she's like, I did screenshot this where she's yelling, "Dick, I love you, Dick." 
telling you, man, he was saved by the Yank. Yeah. <laughs> he was saved by the Yank. He's like, hmm, where have I heard this before? <laughs> this sounds familiar. Um, it's it's really funny to me that a few years after this, there'd be this controversy. The controversy about them being in bed together. When it's like, mm-hmm. they are so clearly having sex here. They are so... It could not be more obvious. So it could not be more clear that they are having sex and that Donna is having sex with that college professor. Problematic. Yeah, I mean, I mean she's not... He's not her professor. Nah, fair enough. Fair <laughs> I mean, granted, right. he's a man in, at the very least, his mid-30s, and Donna is maybe 20 here. Uh... Different she's era, for her age. different sure. time. She's an Amazon. It's fine. That's I guess fine. she could uh, totally kill him. So I mean, yeah, but... I mean, like she could, she could throw this dude in the sun if she wanted to. So I mean, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember if this is in here or not, but the it's no, it's not in here. Donna, when she tells Terry that she's gonna uh, that she's gonna marry him. Because uh, he proposes to her, she takes the ring but doesn't give him an answer, and then uh, she shows up at like after one of his lectures, and <laughs> there's this student who is flirting with him, like very clearly, like, "Oh, professor, um, I I've been having a lot of trouble with this. Do you uh, do you offer any private le- private tutoring?" And then Donna shows up with this gigantic fucking ring in her hand, and he's like. He's like, oh my god, you said yes, you're going to marry me. And this random student who does not get a name, she looks fucking furious. <laughs> that's, <laughs> see, that's that's another thing that I was wondering what is the point of the subplot. You can tell me this. What is the point of the subplot of Donna and... Oh, it's just been an ongoing thing. It's just been the ongoing mm. plot up to this point is that Donna has been romanced, has been dating this guy uh, and... A, maybe the arc right before this, he asks her uh, to marry him, and so okay. that's just—it's really just set dressing for to set the scene, because uh, they get out of they get out of the situation um, uh, thanks to the yank. Uh, <laughs> that's right. And uh, President Marco's guys blow up the temple. Brother Blood seemingly falls to his doom. So issue forty-one or forty-two opens with Donna making wedding plans. Um, Including this one little note uh, that Dick is going to give her away at her wedding, which I think is awesome. Because uh, yeah. Donna doesn't have uh, parents. <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah. I guess Queen Hippolyta counts as her mom. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's good. I mean, it's tying back into this idea that that whether he's in or out, Dick is Dick has made this impact. Yeah, I mean, Dick and Donna are best friends. Like Dick's, right. th- it's it really gets downplayed in modern context because for whatever reason. Uh, every adaptation involving these characters is just like, who the fuck is Donna Troy? <laughs> right. Like, they don't give a fuck about her. It's crazy. But Dick's three best friends are Wally West, Roy Harper, and Donna Troy. Like, those are the three people that, like, he he cares about the most in that context. Um. So, uh, Gar, once again, taking liberties... Uh, he hits on Tara and he's like, he's like, hey, you want to, he, he does this to her all the time, especially, like he does it with everybody, but especially Tara. He's like, no, you want to go make out? You want to go, <laughs> like one issue he asks her, like, 
like they're, they're they're looking at screens or something, and she's like, "Are we just gonna sit around and watch TV all day?" And he said, "Like he doesn't look up from what he's doing. He's like, we can go up to my room and neck." Which I had to remember the neck. <laughs> oh my god! The neck is sl- like <laughs> old slang for make out because it definitely sounds like he's like. I mean, you could go you go upstairs and suck my dick. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You could give me the sloppiest, the sloppiest of the toppy. I don't want sex. I just sex. I just want the neck. That's all it is. You said I That's need what that. it is. I need that M A P. Jesus God Almighty! Oh my God! Oh that jo- that joke is for Foxy. Oh my Lord! What did you rope me into, man? Oh, this oh, it's all downhill from here. This is gonna be bad for everybody. You think you got it? That's a good point. Me and Manny are doing back in black. So that's gonna be a mess. I appreciate it. I do. Uh, Um so he hits on Tara and he's like, Huh, give me a kiss. She's like, I'd rather kiss a cobra. And he's like, Damn, that's it? (laughs) He's a dead like he I wrote down. Quote, damn, Tara, didn't know you were such a freak. <laughs> See, that's, again, we're jumping ahead of the hentai game here. <laughs> he said, I, I got you right now. Uh, and then, like, they're walking somewhere, and she, um, she, uh, she's last, like, what's your fucking deal? Why are you like this? <laughs> Why do you choose to be the way that you are? <laughs> yeah, but, I, you know, all of this does... You know, in retrospect, right? That like knowing that Beast Boy feels this way, um, it does sort of color the interactions they have later. Yes, and how she's trying to manipulate them all. And when I look back on it, I'm starting to see now that I'm talking about this that really she does find a way to manipulate all of them based on what how they view her. Yes, right. And how Gar looks at her like he has a crush on her, and he yes. has his own childish Pepe Le Pew ass way of going about it right but it's it is genuine yeah he actually does care about her in this way he does really like her yeah and then he she sees how donna and dick are with her and she tries to play off that and then she sees the way that raven sees her and knows i can't play her like that i can't i cannot play raven which this is an aspect of raven's character that i think is totally like, everything, every adaptation involving that character really plays up the magic stuff with her, the the Trigon stuff. I feel like her empathy is, like, the one thing that things don't touch. Mm-hmm. And that her power, above all else, is empathy. And that she can feel everything that other people are feeling all the time. Uh, that's... Really, something I think that more things should try to that I think more things should try to accentuate because I think that it's a really fun element of her character. Uh, yeah, and I and that's why I think Raven, you know, sort of like Vic, I, I feel like they didn't really lean into it explicitly, but I found Raven again sparingly used, but I still found her to be the most compelling character in all of this. Yeah, yeah, she's she's really fucking exceptional um also i i would like to point out there's a page here where she says where tara asks her if she's indian and she goes no i'm from azarath and it's like okay but you are like 
Right. Yeah. Raven's and, and that's, modeled after like an old like Indian actress or model or like it's something I, I commented on was that everybody has these really defined features, which I think is cool. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, Manny Perez did out, a great job with that. Oh yeah, Manny pointed out that Gar looks like Mark Hamill. Yo, I almost choked on my beer. That's exactly right. He he looks like Gar looks like Mark Hamill. Uh, Tara has these like fucking giant buck teeth that another mm-hmm. that is pointed out. I think uh, I think Cyborg comments on it. And, like he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. buck tooth kid or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is like a deliberate choice, which I think is great. I feel like they don't I, look like sock characters, right? And yeah, I think that there are so many fantastic artists working in comics today, but I feel like I really miss characters having these really defined, very human features. Well, I was just thinking about this because I watched Halloween 3 recently, mm-hmm. uh, Season, Season of the Witch. Of the Witch. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Um, I miss the eras of like leading actors just looking like a guy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, and yeah. I think that's so cool, and and it, it translates to comic books too, where like they don't always have to be the exact same person with a different haircut. Yeah, yeah, I think that like one one note that it's something that I just have recently found out is that like Emma Frost, if in flashbacks she always has this like really like wide like aquiline nose. And it's like a character trait that Emma Frost got a nose job when she got rich. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like somebody breaks her nose. She's like, I paid good money for that nose. Man. No, they should have <laughs> kept the Streisand there. Just fuck that. I'm not changing it. <laughs> that that also would have ruled. Uh, but, you know. Um, uh, but uh, Tara asks Raven, hey, why don't we talk? Why aren't we... You're like the one person here who doesn't talk to me. You're, we're not friends or anything. And Raven goes, "Oh, cause you're evil." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you know this actually brings me to a, another note that I have that one of my favorite artistic choices here is where they briefly have this moment where every panel is just a shot of Tara's eyes and a shot of t- of Raven's eyes for pretty much a whole page. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure if it's this issue. Well, th- this but... issue is like the name of this issue is the eyes of Tara Markov. Mm-hmm. And that and that to me struck a really strong chord with me. That's one of the most memorable scenes uh, in the entire, like one of the most memorable pages in the entire uh, arc. I think, mm-hmm. um, and that's a bold move for for you know a teen comic essentially. Yeah. You know, this was not DC when they were aiming to be gritty and appeal to adults necessarily. Right. The target audience of of this is like fifteen year olds ostensibly. Yeah. Like late teens, I guess, like yeah. that that sort of thing. But that was great because you really see so much expression in those eyes, and, and I think Perez needs a lot more appreciation for that kind of thing. Yeah, Perez is he should be on that, like treated in that same kind of rarefied air that like uh, like John Romita, uh, John Romita Senior is mm-hmm. seen in. Um, there's actually another really good uh, couple panels here uh, of Tara and Gar standing on the. Uh, they're standing on the lake uh, overlooking, um, like, across from the tower. And it is mostly in shadow. Mm-hmm. Like, it is... They are drawn entirely in black, except for some highlights here and there. 
Um, the sun is going down behind them, and uh, he goes to say something, and she, she just says, shh, and she kisses him, and then the first time you see any color on them is this close-up of them pulling away from each other, and it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's such a, so well-drawn. Um, but yeah, then we get to, uh, to, to Tara talking to Raven, and she's like, Hey, how come you and me never talk? You're like the you're the only one I don't really know. And Raven says, "I have always sensed a corruptness in you, a feeling of inner evil." Yeah, they they write her like Michael Myers, which yes. I don't necessarily care for. But it's I kind of love like she's like I gotta f- I'm I can't wait to fucking kill Raven. Yeah. Um. Now, if we may. Yeah. I would like to propose, you know, we, I we're we're getting close to the territory where we get sort of Slade's backstory. Yeah. And I would like to propose that we sort of gloss over that one because. Oh yeah, yeah. I just wrote my notes there are. You know. We get Slade's backstory. It's Vietnam it's yeah. experiments. He's just pu- he's just the Punisher mixed with Captain America. Really. Yeah, yeah. He's evil Captain America. That's the character. Yeah. What if Captain America funny. was a mercenary? All right, cool. <laughs> Got it. Moving uh, on. Um, uh, they, they, the Titans do some training. Um, and, uh, see, what did I write about this? Uh, Donna and Corey stick fight on a raft. Uh, Gar wants them to mud wrestle. Why is he like this? Good question. <laughs> Again, taking liberties. Uh, so Gar and, Tara then fight and he seemingly beats her. Like he turns into like a like an anaconda and wraps around her. And uh she's like she's like uh let me let go of me and he's like, Yeah, give me a kiss and she's like, I'd rather kiss a Wookiee And he's like, I mean, hey, well <laughs> you, you gotta sell it for a cobra. <laughs> Keep raising the bar here. Keep raising the bar. It's like I can't do that. <laughs> It's a bit above my pay grade. And then Tara starts whooping his ass. Tara mm-hmm. beats the shit out of him. It's a good bit of foreshadowing. Yes, because she really. just totally snaps. And she's like calling him a creep. And she's like a fucking... Like, she all but says like, I fucking hate you, man. Like, she she summons like the power of a volcano. And uh, like throws molten lava at him. And Starfire has to save him from it. And then she's like, uh, <laughs> like there's this close up on her. Yeah, that's where that close up of her and Raven is, where she's like, uh, I just freaked out. I was thinking about the terrorists that are try- that are threatening my mom or my-, my parents. Now, the Titans have been poking holes. I think Gar does it, actually. He pokes some holes in uh, Tara's backstory where she uh, she shows up in the new costume and he goes, which, by the way, I love her initial costume way... I think her, her first costume is way better than her second one. Oh, yeah. Her first costume no, is, like, I, very Jack Kirby. Uh, I think it rules. Um, but she's like... She's like, I made this one myself, and I promised myself when I felt like I was ready for it, I'd start to wear it. And then... after At some point after that, they meet Geoforce. And so Beast Boy goes... Hey, so you told me you made that costume yourself. How does your brother have the exact same one? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, hey, don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, again, like, you're starting to see these little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, here. and this is, like, the big one here. So everyone's like, what the fuck is with Terra? Because uh, the terrorist thing also uh, doesn't make sense. Somebody points out, like, if it's like your parents are the king and queen of a of another country, if they were kidnapped by terrorists, it would have been all over the news. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Uh, <laughs> don't worry about it." Um. And so, so this she, is around the time where she starts feeding all that information to Slade, right? Where she right, she's still feeding all the seen. information to Slade, and that's why that shot you were talking about. It's her eyes, then Raven's eyes, then Black, and then Slade's eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and then brilliant, like, brilliant uh, stuff. Uh, my notes here are: What the fuck is Tara wearing? This girl is sixteen. She is wearing. I- I'm going to describe it again. She is wearing a like a silk nightgown with a slit all the way up to the hip. Uh, Meg the Stallion. Yeah, yes, yeah, very Meg the Stallion. Uh, she's wearing like a like a turquoise necklace. Uh, again, smoking, and she's smoking like these long fucking cigarettes. Like, oh yeah, man. Like, <laughs> like she's in like a French art movie. Like, yes, she's smoking Virginia Slims hundreds. You know what, what I mean? Was it like, with with the Extendo? Yes. <laughs> It's like it's such a long cigarette. It's crazy. Uh, and Deathstroke's like, "Are you? You're gonna fuck this up. Don't fuck this up, because the, the Titans are gonna. The Titans can totally just whoop all of whoop our asses if we fuck this up, right? Uh, and she's like, "It's fine. You know how fucking strong I am. I got this." Uh, and then yeah, we get some stuff with Slade's backstory, and that issue ends with uh, a mysterious woman. Watching Slade and Tara leave, uh, and she says, "Slade, it's been a long time, but not long enough for you." And then <laughs> the next issue opens with Dick Grayson in his apartment, typing on his typewriter, being a man of the time, and <laughs> you just see Slade get closer to the window. He crashes in on a zip line, like the Kool Aid Man. <laughs> yeah. Like, imagine uh, Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12 on that zip line to the ring. But instead of into the ring, instead of into the crowd, he goes into a fourth-story window, and he's like, <laughs> Come on, kid, don't play dumb. We both know who you are. Yeah, no, you know I what it is. That. And it really does show that how much like the secret identity is a big part of their protection, because it, it really does feel like Nick is... Nick, like how Dick is so naked... Without his identity? <laughs> yeah, because, uh, like, hey, I know who the fuck you are. I'm at your house. Actually, I don't think this is his house, because it's like... It's, well, it's an apartment, but it looks like it could also be an office, because he has a nameplate on his desk and, and another chair opposite his desk. Uh, It's very weird. Oh, no, no, he says, good, good of you to be at home. Uh, mm. Dick then has to fight Slade in his apartment... Uh, Slade just beats the shit out of him. He mm-hmm. throws him into a wall. He backfists him out of a window. 
Dick dives out of the window. He destroys a explicitly stated $300 leather jacket. He does indeed. Which, That's very like Johnny Cage in the Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. Uh, I would say this is... So what was $300 in 1984? All right, I'm going to look that up. You continue and I'm, I'm going to look that up. Okay. Uh, so he, he saves himself, but he fucks his leg up and Slade starts shooting at him from the window. And he is shooting... Like, Dick is running into, like, Central Park. Because they're in New York. And he, Dick is just running into the park. And Slade is just shooting at him from a window. Uh, and... By the way, $792. <laughs> there you go. Fuck. That is the price of a uh, brand new Fender Player Series Telecaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how <exciting. laughs> That's how expensive this, ja- uh, this jacket was. Good. You Lord. could get a mediocre apartment in Louisville for that much. That's that's slightly less than my rent is. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh. And so he does realize, like, okay, there's way too many fucking people here. I should probably not fire into this crowd. That would suck. Which yeah. weirdly responsible of Deathstroke the Terminator. Well, it does show his desperation, and it yeah. does show that he's on, in a bit of a time crunch because it's already it is established over the next few pages that he has already gone after the rest of the time. Yeah, he got everybody else already. Uh, yes, and you know it's around this time that what we're introduced to Jericho shortly after. Yeah, so we see uh, the woman who is, the woman is Adeline Kane, the the other Kane in this story, uh, who is Slade's ex wife, and mm-hmm. her son Joseph. Uh, Joseph, who uh, was later revealed to have powers, uh, and takes the codename Jericho. And he's a mutant, explicitly. He's explicitly a mutant. See? This is what I'm saying. This is this is an X-Men story. Well, because it's, it's a death... The experiment they gave Deathstroke his powers, for some reason, as a side effect, gave Joseph powers. Correct. Uh... So it's like Spider-Man, where his his sperm has something going on with it. Yeah, it'll give Mary Jane cancer. Exactly. That's that's a story that I'm gonna have to do on this eventually. Uh, you have to. Do I that. have to do Spider-Man Reign on this podcast eventually, and that story is fucked. That story is a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. The, the weird thing is that dude, uh, that's Kyle Kari Andrews, who went on to write an Iron Fist run that I really liked. So it's wild to me the same guy wrote that. Yeah. Uh, so Dick sends out his emergency signal. Nobody answers. And he's like, oh, shit. He got to everybody already. Uh, he gets to Corey and Donna's apartment, uh, which I love that Corey and Donna are roommates. Yeah, I do like that a lot, actually. Give me more superheroes living together. I think that's cool. Uh, and so <laughs> he gets. So we get to see how Slade got all the other Titans. Uh, so he gets Corey with uh, like a gift that uh, overloads her, that just fills her with energy and knocks her out and blows up the room. Like she ends up outputting a giant blast that knocks her out and uh, blows up the apartment. Uh, he gets to Donna's apartment, or to Donna's, um, like the, because Donna's day job is that she's a photographer. So she's mm-hmm. developing the pictures, and so it's a, um, it's a, uh, he got to Donna with a, 
like a, a thing in the bottle that basically turned the acid in her tray in the dark room into like ether and knocked her out. Yeah, um, and and I really like the gist of what they're going for here, which is that he got them at the most vulnerable. Ex- he got them at the most vulnerable, and it's explicitly Tara. And this is this is where we get into Dick having to be the detective. Yes, yeah, right? we get to see more of. Hey, my dad is fucking Batman. And and I gotta say, this this directly ties. And I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but you know, I, I really like how they're showing that influence, right? Because it's not long after this where he reveals himself as Nightwing. That's right? in this issue. That is, the, yes. this is, the end of this issue is the debut of Nightwing. And I will say, that's one of my favorite bits of this, because I am a huge Nightwing guy. I have a giant Nightwing tattoo that's, on my leg. That's why I picked you to do this story. Because uh, I, I was know. like, first appearance of Nightwing, I was like, what can I come up with for Jake? And I was like, oh, this, yeah. Yeah, and that's why I own the uh, the actual issues of this, which is why I had to do the trade, because there was no way I was going to break out the original issues of right. this. Like, I um, think I have like the dark raven saga but i don't have this yeah i have this one and then i have nightwing number one like the first time he had his own solo comic in the 90s um which isn't awesome but it was also a panel from that is where i got this tattoo Mm -hmm. um but anyway um i loved this because like i thought the reveal of nightwing was very sweet and it was very sentimental and it was very concise yeah you know what i mean um, and it, it really does go through, not only do we see the detective of him figuring all of this out, right, or slowly and needing right. some help, but still, him working through it, but we also see those influences that he talks about with Superman and with everybody else in his life, bringing him to Nightwing, you know? And yeah. and, and the more I think about it in retrospect, and I'm glad that we're doing this right now, because it's giving me more to think about looking back about how... Everything happening here is culminating in Dick growing up, and really yes. all of them growing up. You know, this is this whole arc really ties back into all of these people having to grow up, right? And we see it in this issue. I think this issue encapsulates that to a T. Yeah, because they they all are caught kind of at their most vulnerable with their guards down and Mm -hmm. it is a byproduct of them being so accepting of this person and Mm -hmm. why would you not want to be accepting of this person who has given you no reason to doubt her Mm -hmm. and they all kind of have to learn the harsh truth like that is what the 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 message they kind of leave with at the end of this is is that sometimes people are shitty no matter how much Mm -hmm. you try to love them, no matter how no matter how much you try to do right by them, sometimes people suck. And uh, so uh, they get to Dick gets back to the tower, and Adeline Kane meets him there and is like, uh, they uh, Adeline Kane meets him there, tells him the. Backstory tells him like, "Hey, Tara got Raven. It was Tara. She, she, she's fucking with you guys. Uh, also, I'm Slade's wife. Uh, this is our son Joseph. Uh, and I, I do want to really, really quickly touch on how he got to because it is in this issue how he gets to Gar. 
<laughs> oh, I love this. It's so funny. It. It's so dark. But it's, it's, again, he's getting him exactly where he's weak. It just happens to be because Gar is a funny character. Yeah. <laughs> it, it happens to be because Gar's kind of dumb. Uh, he, he's like, sends him a fake letter from the Teen Titans fan club, which happens to also be a bunch of girls. And they're like, can we get signed? You're our favorite. Can we get a bunch of signed pictures of you? And Gar, full of himself, pulls out a stack of headshots. And every time he licks the envelope. (laughs) Yeah, the envelopes are drugged. So every time he licks them, he's just getting more poison. Some Looney Tunes ass shit right there. (laughs) It's, It's out of control. Uh... And he just passes out, and Slade just is like, you vainglorious dolt. I love that. Vainglorious <laughs> dolt. He talks like Plankton. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shut your mouth, you mediocre clarinet player. <laughs> I need a second to recover from that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> they both got one eye with tracks. Why not? Um, so, Dick. So, Adeline gives uh, Dick the uh, their backstory Vietnam, the war. They fall in love. There's this dude named Wintergreen here. Wintergreen is like Deathstroke's Alfred. Also, evil Alfred. Huh? Yeah, evil Alfred. Um, also, their relationship is interesting because uh, later. Adeline's... Are they gay? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was also thinking that. Like, hey, hmm. I think they're gay. Because Adeline says to him, like, something to the effect of, like, you almost, oh, you always loved him more than I ever could. And it's like, huh. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. <laughs> Weird. I like that, though. Yeah. I like the little hint. Well, it's, uh, it's... You know, you know, it's at the time you couldn't say these two characters, uh, these two sure. men are uh, are in love. Uh, so you just get uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, you get you get Black Tom Cassidy and the Juggernaut. Uh, so jump ahead here to when Nightwing uh, to Dick getting the Nightwing costume and. He he says, I'm, I'm just going to read this page because it's fucking, fucking exceptional. Because he says, you write about that to Adeline. Uh, it's about time I became a full-time Titan again. I've run through a hundred names. Nothing seemed to fit. Each one sounded so strange to my ear. But there's one I kept coming back to and a costume design I couldn't get out of my head. What's strange is both name and costume are based on other people. Both mentors and friends. The Batman taught me, guided me, trained me. What I am, I owe to him. What more can I say? And Superman, I grew up in your shadow too. You taught me honor, selflessness, the true meaning of the word hero. A long time ago, you used the name I've been thinking about. It was a name from your Kryptonian heritage. I'm the sum of so many people who have influenced me, shaped my thinking, and given me love. Mom and Dad, you were the first. What you gave me will never leave. It's forever locked in my heart and soul. Batman, you took in a young, frightened boy, and you showed him how to become a good man. Uh, he talks about how much he loves Corey. Uh, and he says, but 
but now I become someone new who commemorates all those who made me someone special. I become and Nightwing, and he and steps. That's so, so beautiful. It's really so I can't stress enough how much I love that scene. Yeah. Also, I I feel like I'm in the minority here. I kind of like the I kind of love the old like the '80s Nightwing costumes. I don't hate it. Like I really it's, don't hate it. It's supposed to look like he's supposed to look like an acrobat. Uh, I like that his mask is different now. Uh, yeah, because I mean, I I love the like post animated series look, just the sleek black with the blue. Yeah, I think that's a really that's great. That's great, but I like the blue for and the what gold. he's going for. Yeah, I, I think the blue and the gold is is beautiful. Uh, I think the only reason to switch from this costume, at least at the time, is that he looks too much like Dead Man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, no, he looks like wrong. blue dead man. <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, and then uh, Adeline says, Joseph is more than just a Terminator son. He's got special powers too. And it's taken on the name Jericho. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm too much of a wrestling fan to not. Oh, I, I had to stop myself from doing, <laughs> from doing it the way that Chris Jericho did it. <laughs> Which, as I read this, I was like, wait a second. Is Chris Jericho just a big Teen Titans mark? <laughs> He might be. He might I mean, be. hey, he's of the age. He's such a carny. I mean, he would have been a teenager when, when the show was coming out. He's the target audience. He'd have been like, Jericho's in his early fifties now, so he'd have been, yeah, like I'll look uh, up his birthday. Yeah, he's, I want to say he was born in nineteen seventy, but nineteen seventy. Yeah, yeah. So he would have been like fourteen when this came out. So it's possible. Um. Uh, and, uh, so we cut to the other Titans, now in a super fucked contraption, uh, designed to stop all their powers from working. Yeah, I'm disgusting, so I, I looked at that and I was like, that's a really elaborate bondage rig right there. I mean, you're not wrong. I know Will is gonna listen to this, and I oh, know yeah. Will is gonna be like, yep, there it yeah, is. Yeah, he's yeah, there yeah, with yeah. me. Yeah, he, he's already thinking it. Um... So Starfire's like, let me out of here. And he's like, you'll kill me. Yeah, I'm not fucking stupid. <laughs> You're saying right there. That's genius. Thank you. For the love of God. Thank you for, for comic book writers who are willing to uh, appreciate something that's true, which is that this is very obviously a stupid thing to do. <laughs> why, why on earth would I let you out of here? You will completely fuck me up. Um, nobody believes that Tara turned on them. Uh... And while they while they are shocked and in horror at this, also Tara again is smoking. This she is so full of nicotine. Constantly, <laughs> she is constantly smoking. As hey, as I'm pulling on my vape for the thousandth time. Yeah, she's it's so she's not even like there's no pretense with her. Uh, she's like, what's with the pro- what's with the drop mouth, Logan? Your pretty little girlfriend isn't all true, blue and pure, Mister. You don't know the half of it. Yeah, she sounds like you know a street urchin from like a I don't know like an old New York like yeah you know what I mean like well it's established at the end of the story uh, that she um she her dad sent her to America after she was born uh, as to avoid a scandal. Because mm-hmm. her mom is not uh, is not Geoforce's mom. It's not the queen. It's just a different woman. Oh, okay. uh, and yeah, so so Tara is um, like was raised in America. 
So she probably was like probably is kind of a street urchin. Uh, and I hate that in my head she kind of sounds like Harley here. Like, what would no, teenage Harley? Yeah, that's I hear like, exactly what would teenage what Harley sound like? Is this? So listen, scum breath. No one con- controls me. Not Slade, and certainly not you. I do what I want to do, and right now, what I want, what I want to watch you damn do-gooders do, uh, or right now, I want to watch you damn do-gooders die, real slow and real painful. God, you people make so me diabolical. sick. <laughs> so diabolical. <laughs> she cannot fucking stand them. And this is this is where I get to sort of the the. I feel like it was a little too forced. I kind of yeah, but at the same time, I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm being like, or I've been so. I see every villain now is like sympathetic, is like the sympathetic figure. It is mm-hmm. kind of, it's kind of like refreshing to see just somebody who is just shitty, just just because. You got a point. Like she's just do. evil, I mean, and she doesn't have a reason. She's just an evil teenager, and I think every everybody who has ever been a teenager no knew an evil teenager. No, you're right. <laughs> knew a girl who's right. just evil just to be evil. <laughs> you're right. No, and and I I think you have a point. Like this this is ultimately a comic book, and there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with well, that. And, and I think because they decided to make Slade the character with the sympathetic backstory. Which was quite the the reversal, the reversal yeah. for me, you know. And, and now that again, this is another thing that I'm glad we're doing this for a lot of reasons. But w- but one of them is that it's helping me sort of reframe the way I'm looking at it. Where at first I was like, I want Slade to be the evil guy, mm-hmm. and I want Tara to have some sort of redeeming quality. But sort of like reversing that actually kind of works. Yeah, because Slade is doing this because of his son. And and that's the thing too is that as we get into this final battle, this final fight sequence. Which bangs, by the yes, way. Yes, it rules. It's it so good. bangs, dude. Like, I don't want to go blow for blow because we could, we could spend all night on that. But, yeah. you know, the, the thing that struck me was that it, it ended up being Slade being the one having to help them bring Terra Tear down. down. Yeah. Uh, and ultimately... Ultimately, it's know, actually right? more Jericho controlling Slade for a mm-hmm. while. And that's kind of the thing... So the, we'll, we'll kind of skip and jump here because it's a lot of just Dick and Joseph infiltrating, Joseph showing Dick how his powers work. Uh, Dick does cool. give somebody a fucking black mass spinning heel kick <laughs> into he the does. side of a mountain, which rules. He does. Because, <laughs> you know, no man is ever truly good. No man is ever truly evil. <laughs> right. Oh, goddamn it. <laughs> gonna be stuck in my head all night. Thank oh, you it's, for that. It's always in my head. It's always there. Yeah. So they they're like, kid, you didn't bring us Kid Flash or Robin, and they're like, uh, Kid Flash is in a Titan anymore, so don't fucking worry about him. Uh, you you know, actually, he says you want him, you pay extra. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, and I've got I've got top men looking for <laughs> looking for Robin. Total bullshitting. Total bullshit. He's, he immediately calls Wintergreen. He's like, hey, did you fucking find this guy yet? Wintergreen is being held at gunpoint by yep. Adeline. <laughs> uh, who then explains more Slade backstory. Do we get like this proto Slade costume, which is kind of nuts? Uh,. He's wearing the shirt and the like. He's got the like the pants yes. are there, but it's like this weird shirt. This like 
ski mask and a and he saber. Has, like, he has like uh, 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 the pirate boots. Yes, like, the big fold. I love the pirate. He's boots. got like the like Tatanka boots. <laughs> Tatanka. Yes, he's right. He's a... He looks like Nightwolf. <laughs> yes. Oh shit. <laughs> Holy shit, that rules. Uh, and so then Slade gets fired from the army. Uh, Jericho possesses some dudes. He and Dick infiltrate uh, everything. Uh, get found out because uh, Jericho's powers only... Like, he can only control somebody's speaking if they're knocked out. Uh, right. And so the dude whose body he jumped into is like... It, it, like he's waking up. He's like, oh, shit. This dude, uh, we gotta go. We gotta, we, we gotta get crazy. Uh, they escape, but then Dick throws, like, a gas grenade uh, right as Jericho comes out of somebody's body, which blinds him, which means that Jericho can't use his powers. Jericho, for those of you that don't know, uh, Jericho's power is that he, if he makes eye contact with somebody, he can control them. He just right. jumps into your body, uh, which is kind of busted. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's a really cool power, and I think that it it's one of those things. It's like um, again another wrestling callback, but Minoru Suzuki recently did an interview where he said that wrestlers who are good at everything are not interesting. Yes. Um, and it's the fact that the wrestlers who don't have something in their arsenal are interesting because those weaknesses actually add some drama. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's sort of what I enjoyed about really all of the powers in Teen Titans. I think that's why this team works so well. Is that the only person who can really do everything is Starfire. But even then, if you can, if you can just fist fight Starfire, you had your, she's at somewhat of a disadvantage because her power is... The speed and the 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 flight and the sort and the, of redirection the, of kinetic energy. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Where Nightwing's thing is, uh, he's he's just a dude. <laughs> Nightwing yeah. is just a guy who's really good at fighting. Uh, Gar is yeah. kind of dumb. You know, like everybody has a thing that like makes them uh, makes them weaker, uh, or and that yeah. you can be exploited rather. And yet, this final sequence, as we get through Dick and Jericho working their way through, and finally finding a way to break them all out, right? Well, they, what happens through. is they, they get captured, because like, they get past the goons, and then Tara immediately gets the jump on them. Like, she takes a puff of her like cigarette in her mouth. She's like, hey, check this shit out. Bah! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, th and but then the way that they actually carry out the final fight. Yes. Right? Which, again, I don't I don't need to go blow for blow on because it's awesome. Everybody should read it, and um, I don't particularly want to spoil it. But the way that that works is that we end up seeing all of those weaknesses and all those frailties, but also their strengths. Right. They all play off each other really well. Um... And that's, that's the strength, is that they're not overpowered. It's they work as a team because they complement one another. Right. Uh, Slade is possessed by Jericho. Uh, Tara does not catch on to this. She doesn't realize what's happening. And so she thinks Slade is turning on her. Mm -hmm. And he's like yelling at her like, no, I'm not. I am not in control of my body. Uh, this is my son. And then when he, uh, when Jericho lets him loose, he's like falling. And he. Uh, he. He realizes that something is going to fall on 
or he realizes that uh, the Terra is going to attack Joseph, and he's like, "You got to get out of the way," and that that flips Terra's switch. She's like, "You're there's no more laters for you. There's no more anything for you. You betrayed me, and I'm going to kill you." And so the whole time, Gar is trying to like in his head, he keeps going like, "No, she's with us," and he yells, "He's like, she's with us." She's, uh, Tara's with the Titans, pal. And she's like, no, I'm not with you. I've never been with you. I hate you. And she's, he's like, why? And she says, Logan, there doesn't have, always have to be answers to everything. All my life, I felt hate. You, both my damn brothers, you're all weak. All of you possessing power while refusing to use it. But I know how to use my powers, Logan. I can force all of you to do what I, what? And then they, they fight her some more. The thing I love about this is that they don't beat her. Yes, I love that. <laughs> I loved that. I really did love that because I, I think that adds such an extra layer of tragedy to her. And and it even goes into, you know, spoiler alert, whatever, this is all spoilers. Yeah. Um, but, like, they go into the fact that she had to be the one to defeat herself. Right. She is overwhelmed, essentially, by her own power. And... In the eulogy, right? So after oh, she yeah. dies, they all get out. The eulogy is that she had such potential that, and they go through, she could have rerouted rivers. She could have sculpted the land. She could have done all of these things. And of course, this is with the context of them trying to act like she died heroically, right? And she was cut short from doing those things. But of course, the audience knows and the Titans know yeah, that but... what that really means is that if she wasn't who she was on a philosophical moral level she could have been she could have she could have been the best ever exactly um i i want to read the last page of uh, the last page of Terra. please uh, do she said so it says uh the last couple pages actually um her pursed lips part and the sounds which echo forth are garbled and inhuman Hot boiling blood gushes mildly from the earth's open wounds, and its skin fractures and cracks. And if a world could cry, it surely would. Her name is Tara Markov, and she is little more than 16 years old. And due to the fault of no one but herself, she is insane. No one taught her to hate, yet she hates, without cause, without reason. No one taught her to destroy, yet she destroys with glee, with relish. Don't look for reasons which do not exist. Plainly, Tara Markov is what she is, and she has taken a great power and made it as corrupt as she. Hers was the power over the earth itself. She could have brought life to deserts, heat to the frozen tundra, food to starving millions. She could have dammed raging rivers and funneled water to lands parched, dry, and dead. Her powers were limited only by the mind which controlled them. A mind which sought not hope, not love, not life, but death. And she found death, but not her enemies, her own. Uh, and Gar is like, he's Gar is trying to dig her out of like the rock slide and the, the everything that she created, and he still is... like, and eventually Donna starts starts helping him, but she, but D Gar can't accept that she is just like this. And there's a there's a wonderful metaphor in that. Like, there really is. He he's like, 
Donna is telling him, like, did you see... She's not who we thought she was. And he's like, no. Deathstroke made her do it. It's his fault. I don't know how he did it, but he did. And he, he did it. He had to. And, like... He just... He can't... Accept it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh... He... And he can't, he can't accept any of this. Right. That That, to me, is the beauty of it. Is that Gar himself is not able to accept anything about who she is and again that just comes back to this whole story is about just growing up and right. learning to accept who you are it is about can't be. dick grayson uh, dick grayson growing up from robin and nightwing but also garfield logan learning that just because you love somebody doesn't make them you can love somebody to the ends of the earth but mm-hmm. you can't make them be anybody but who they are and that, to me, is in every character. No matter who it is, in what big or small way, every single character in this is learning to come to terms with the fact that things can't stay the way they are and things can't be as simple as you think they are. And, you know, everything we've just talked about, and just to wrap all of this in one neat little package for me, is that, one, Wolfman is a great writer. Yes. And... This whole story is just full of different little moments where we see this theme continue to run through it. That things aren't always as as simple as you think. And even when they are simple, you can't try to attach a narrative to it that doesn't fit. Because that's what a child would do. And you can't be a child forever. Yeah. Um, and really, no, I, again, I'm, I'm so glad that we had this conversation for a number of reasons because it really did bring that home to me. And I, I, I think that it's much more profound than I originally thought. And I already thought it was damn good. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to leave off on kind of the last thing that happens here is at Tara's, at Tara's funeral, which I didn't notice this before, but fucking Jason and Bruce are here. Holy shit, I missed that entirely. Like, it didn't click in my head, but, like, there's Jason Todd at Tara's funeral. Um, I missed that. It's weird. Uh, And also Donna's fiancé. But uh, the last thing that happens here is Geoforce, Brion, Tara's brother, is... They're talking. They're telling him like, "Oh yeah, she died fighting the Terminator." They, they are. This is the great lie that the Titans are committing to. Mm-hmm. The the six of them are, or five of them at this point, because because Wally's gone. So, Dick, Gar, Raven, Donna, and Cyborg are committing in this moment. Oh, and, and Starfire and so, Corey. Yeah. yeah. So the six of them are committing to the story that Tara died a hero because they don't they can't bring themselves to be honest with Geoforce about it they can't well, they're bring, superheroes they're superheroes yeah and they that's they, the whole superhero thing is yeah we can't bring ourselves to be honest with these people but they they have to to let him believe that his little sister who he loved was the person that she was or was the person he believed her to be? Mm-hmm. Because as much as that broke Gar's heart, 
what would that have done to somebody like Geoforce? Who, mm-hmm. yes, she's my half-sister, and my father sent her away when we were kids. But she's still my sister. You know? Yeah. And they they just choose to lie to him. And this is the last appearance of this character until Blackest Night. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's, for one, miraculous. But two, it's the right decision. Yes. like, And what's great about it is that this is at... Tara dies kind of at the perfect time. Because we are not at the point yet where characters just come back all the time for no reason. At this point, Jean Grey is dead. Uh, and they have not yet established Madeline Pryor as being a clone. Uh, you know... Uh, Gwen Stacy is dead and has been dead at this point for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, characters at this point in time, death is pretty permanent. The only way it you, means something. Right. The only way you write somebody out of this at that point is by revealing them to have not have died. Right. Uh, for it to have been a ruse of some kind. So Tara dies here and she is gone until. When is Blackest Night? 2008? Something like that. That's what I would have guessed, yeah. So she's gone for 24 years. Yeah. Give or take. And, and that's what it should be. Yeah. Actually, no, Blackest Night is after that. She's, she's gone until like 2010, 2011. Because I want to say it was Final Crisis, Blackest Night, Flashpoint in that order. Like as the, the big year event. 2009. 2009, okay. So right... Around the time of... Right after Final Crisis, I guess. Because yeah. I, I think during that story, Dick is Batman and Tim is Red Robin. So That sounds right. Yeah, 2009. Uh, yeah, she's gone for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And Which is what it should be. When she because, comes I mean, back... They, go ahead. I was going to say, there, there are consequences there beyond just, you know, Tara's dead. But also, it means a lot to those characters. It means a lot to right. Vic and Corey and Donna and the rest of them. Like it, it means something to these people. And this is, I, I'd say that Tara is kind of a rare case where, um, a female character is killed off, and it is not, it is not in service. Uh, this woman dies to give this man trauma. Tara is the villain of this story. She's a. She is not a powerless character who this is something that is done to her. She is... plot is centered around her. It's not right. centered around the men in her life. Yeah. Right. This is a stor- the story of Tara Markov that happens to affect the life of Gar Logan. The way that Bruce Wayne dying affects the lives of all the people around him. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, you know, it's the fact that it means something not just for the readers because I think so many deaths in comics nowadays are for the readers it's to play off the readers emotions right it's to shock you yeah but this is supposed to mean something to all of these characters and to the reader because this is again Wolfman playing off of Kitty Pride and precisely you're playing off your expectations of this character but she is established as being this way a few issues before this happens and uh it's just a really good story. This is a real good culmination of this run up to this point. And yeah, honestly, I can't, I might I can't just, recommend it highly. Enough. Yeah, I if you've never read the story, if this us talking about this over the last couple hours, 
is the first you've ever heard uh, anybody talk about the, the Judas contract. Read this story, and then honestly, I'd recommend comparing it to the adaptations of it because they've adapted the story three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is uh, the her arc in Teen Titans, um, which paints her much more sympathetically. Like Great she stuff. Is, she is being used by Deathstroke there um, for uh, what appears to be no reason. Deathstroke just kind of hates them in that show. Um, they uh, so there they do it again, just straight up with the Judas contract, the movie. Um, which mm-hmm. they animated a few years ago. I want to say it's only like an hour or so long. Um, so check that out. And then uh, season three of Young Justice, the plot is in inversion on the Judas contract, which I think mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Um, where it's like, hey, Tara's definitely working for Slade until she's not, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but thank you all for hanging out with us the last couple of hours. Thank you, Jake. Uh, I know it is like the dead of night there, so I appreciate... Uh, it is one in the morning. <laughs> I, I appreciate uh, you hanging out, man. Um, let's do this again sometime. And to you guys listening, thank you again. Um, until next time, uh, take care, y'all. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to make you read or watch something next time. We're going to have fun. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. I think that might be a fun way to do this is uh, any guest, your first appearance will be uh, me making you read something and then second time we'll we'll go back and forth from that. Um, But thank you guys again and uh, take it easy.